Okay, so welcome everybody to our weekly Torah studies class. Started a little bit, a little late, but it's uh, better late than ever, right? Um, let me share the screen here so we could um, start. Phyllis, if you don't mind, tell me, do you see the screen? Yes, I do. But can I read it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I might need to move in a little more light, which I can do. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm moving so, around. So this week's store portion. Yes. Is this week's store portion is the portion of Shoftim. A very interesting um, portion of the Torah, which includes many commandments, many mitzvot, especially commandments which has to do with the community, with the community of the Jewish people before entering the land of Israel. Moses is coming and conveying to them um, commandments coming from God regarding the nation of Israel. One of the things that we're learning in this week's Torah portion is about wars. What happens when the Jewish people need to go out to war against their enemies? So who is going to war? Who, who is not going to war? And what are some preparations that they have to do before the war? Some physical preparations, some spiritual preparations. And we're going to learn a little bit from the, straight from the Torah, as we usually do. We're going to see some, um, I, some, some rules that the Torah described to us about going out to war. And then we're going to see some interesting lesson that the Lubavitcher Rebbe learn, learns from an argument of two Torah scholars, of two rabbis back in the time of the Talmud, which discussing the verses from the Torah that we are going to learn right now. And this is going to teach us some lessons on how to look on another Jew. Okay, so let's okay. start. Okay. Yes. And part number one of the class is going to be the fearful and faint-hearted. What is that all about? So let's start. This is coming from this, this week's Torah portion. And Ruth, are you able to read? I can, yes. Okay, so go ahead. You could read uh, in the English. This is straight from the Torah. Okay. So when you go to battle against your enemies and see horses, war chariots, and an army larger than yours, do not be afraid of them, since God, your Lord, who brought you out of Egypt, is with you. When, when you approach the place of the battle, the priest shall step forward and speak to the people. So first, first rule, before you're going to war, the Torah is telling you, you should know that God is on your side. Don't be afraid. It's the first, the first rule. Now, if a person is afraid, what happens if a person is afraid of the war? So let's see how the Torah continues. So let's continue a little bit more what the priest is going is telling the Jewish people, the Jewish soldiers, just before they are um, going out to the war. Continue, Ruth. Okay. Um, hmm. He shall say to them, mm, listen, Israel, today 
you are about to wage war against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid. Do not panic and do not break ranks before them. God, your Lord, is the one who is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will deliver you. The lower officers shall then speak to the people and say, is there any man among you who has built a new house and has not begun to live in it? Let him go home so that he will not die in war and have another man live in it. Okay, let's continue another few cases where people are exempt from going to war. Do you want to continue, Ruth, or? Um, I'm on my iPhone, so it's a little small. A little it's okay. Well, I can't. I could, it after. Oh okay, yes, yes, I can see it now. I got it. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, no okay. Is there any man among you who has planted a vineyard and has not redeemed the first crop? Let him go home so that he will not die in war and have another man redeem its crop. Is there any man among you who has betrothed a woman and not married her? Let him go home so that he not die in war and have another man marry her. The lower so This is, so one second, Ruth. So this is three yeah. cases where we say, where we tell those people, if you, have one, if you have a new home, you have a new vineyard, or you have a new wife, go back home, enjoy your wife, enjoy your home, enjoy your vineyard, and, and you are exempt from going to war. But here comes the next category of people who the officers are going to tell them, please go home and do not uh, and do not go with the rest of the soldiers into the war. Let's continue. The lower officers, officers shall then continue speaking to the people and say, is there any man among you who is afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home rather than his cowardliness demoralize his brethren. When the lower officers has finished speaking to the people, then they shall appoint senior officers to lead the people. Okay, thank you very much, Ruth. So basically, it's very clear from here that if someone is afraid, we say it's better for you to go back home instead of demoralize your 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 your, your friends. Because if someone, if if there's one uh, um, soldier who is frightened and afraid, then it's inevitable that the rest of his friends, the rest of the soldiers will feel also frightened. They will feel also scared. Now, the question is, is that really the meaning of the a man who is afraid or faint-hearted? What is this man afraid of? Is he afraid of the war or perhaps he's afraid of something else? So, interestingly, in the Talmud, in the tractate Sota in the Talmud, we find two rabbis who are arguing what is the meaning of someone who is afraid. What is he afraid about? So let me read it. Source number two, as you can see it in the screen. Yes, I can. Okay. You see it? Yes. So Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Haglili. Two great rabbis back in the Talmud. Rabbi Akiva 
which is known to be one of the greatest Torah scholars of all times, and Rabbi Yossi, which is also a great Torah scholar. So they argue, Rabbi Akiva says, afraid or faint-hearted is to be understood as it indicates that the man is unable to stand in the battle rings and to see a drawn sword because it will terrify him. Rabbi Akiva looks at the verse and understands it, just like, just like it sounds. Someone who is afraid from the chaos of the war. Someone who can't see blood, someone who can't see sword, someone who can't see guns. You're just afraid. Why did they go to the army in the first place? I have no idea. But when they come to the field, they can't handle it. Rabbi Yossi Aglili does not agree with him. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, look, if someone is afraid of blood, if someone is afraid of a war, he wouldn't go to the army in the first place, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't join the army. So he is saying something else. Let's see it inside. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, afraid or faint-hearted, this is one who is afraid because of the sins that he has. He too returns. This is not someone who is afraid from the war. This is someone who is afraid from his spiritual state. Because when, when, when a person goes out to war, you need some help from above. Right? Yes. In order, in order, in order, in order to, to, to win the war and to go back and to, to come back home safely, you need some help from above. So someone who is a sinner, someone who knows that his, his spiritual situation is not the best, could be afraid. Could be afraid that he's not going to have the help from above. And therefore, he's afraid from his sins. Tell us, the Torah is telling us, so a person like this, a person who is afraid from the sins that he has, should go back home. Because again, he's afraid, he's going to make everyone, everyone else terrified, and it's not worth it. Now, Rabbi Yossi um, puts out an additional, an additional um, idea here. And, the Torah, and he's saying, therefore, the Torah provided him with all these additional reasons for exemption from the army, so he can ascribe his living to one of them. In this way, the sinner may leave the ranks without having a public, a, without having to publicly acknowledge that he is a sinner. You see, when someone is, is leaving the, the the is leaving the the army, if if the only group of people who will be exempt from the war will be sinners, it will be very clear. When a person is leaving the war, is kind of saying, "I everybody, I am a sinner." So therefore, the Torah also gave other groups an exemption. A new, you know, newly married, someone who just built a new house, and therefore, when he's leaving. People could think that he is living because of a different reason. Now, so let's go back a little bit and sum, sum it up. So those both, both ideas or both reasons for why the person is afraid, they're all coming from the same place. A person who is afraid is not going to be helpful in the war, is only going to harm his friends, demoralize, frighten anyone else. The question is, what is the argument between them? Why is Rabbi Akiva said that, 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 that the person is afraid from the war? 
I think Rabbi Yossi, what Rabbi Yossi is saying is very, it makes sense. Because if someone is afraid of wars, he wouldn't go to the army. Right? He wouldn't go to the army in the first place. So what is behind Rabbi Akiva's idea that someone who is afraid from the war should leave? Should leave? The Lord Rebbe, in the year 1979, gave a very, um, you know, long talk explaining the argument beautifully. The argument between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi. But I would like to, 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 to take one idea from the Rebbe, which is, which is, uh, which is going to uh, explain to us why Rabbi Akiva learns that the, that the person here is afraid of the war and not afraid of the scenes. And then we were going to also compare this idea to something which happened, which I believe some of us remember, I don't remember it, but some, some of you remember, which is going to be the, the, the Entebbe operation happened in 1976. Well, let's first see what the Rebbe is saying how the Rebbe explains Rabbi Akiva's side, and then we are going to move forward. Is everything clear, Ruth? Yes. Um, Amazing. Would you like? Would you want to read what the Rebbe is? How the Rebbe explains it? Yeah. Or fine. Would you like me to? Okay. No, I can do it. I can see it. Um, Amazing. Fear of sin is half a repentance. Uh, Rebbe Akiva is accustomed to seeing the people. Of Israel in a positive light. Therefore, so let me, uh, um, Ruth, let me just pause yeah. you for a second, if you don't mind. No. Throughout, throughout the time, just, this is just just to give a little bit of a of a, of, of a background. Throughout the Talmud, give me one second. Oh, uh, sorry about that. So throughout the Talmud, Rabbi Akiva is always the good guy. It's always the guy who is looking at everyone with a positive light. Always a guy which looks at someone and sees right away the good points, the good sides. So the so the Rebbe is basing the explanation based on that and that and that and that um, special character that the, the Rabbi Akiva had of always looking at someone else in a positive light. So let's continue. Therefore, right. Uh, therefore. When he sees a Jew headed in the direction of repentance, he excuses him immediately, even if his thought of repentance has yet to be positive, uh, influence his behavior to the extent that he will never again revert to folly, never again violate the king's command. God forbid, neither a positive command nor a prohibition. One second, let me go. If you don't okay. like continue here, Opa. Continue here. Therefore, uh, therefore, uh, Rabbi Akiva cannot possibly suggest that. Hmm, uh, I can't see those couple words. The uh, one who is afraid. Oh, because of because, the because of the sins that um, he has is obligated to leave the battlefield. If a Jew is afraid due to his transgressions, he obviously recognizes that he has conducted himself improperly and therefore, no doubt, regrets doing so. Thus, he considers repenting. Okay. 
let me let uh, okay let me let me let me just pause here for a second then I, then I will and I will for explaining the Rabbi Akiva is coming the, the way the Rabbi explains it Rabbi Akiva is coming is saying something like this when 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 a soldier is coming to the battlefield and amongst the chaos and 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 all the mess of going into the battlefield what bothers him is his spiritual state the fact that he had that he commit some uh, transgressions that itself shows that a person is a righteous man meaning a person who cares about the way they behave a person who, who, who is afraid because of the sins that they have, Rabbi Akiva is already looking at him as he's already repented. Because this is already a good beginning. The, the person is already in a good place. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva said, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to say that, that, that the Torah would say, would tell a, a soldier who is afraid of, of his sins, a soldier who is standing in the battlefield and he's making an introspection and he sees that his spiritual state is not, uh, is not the best. The Torah would never tell him to leave. You are not worthy. You are not worthy of, the, of, 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 of having miracles from above. You know why? Because the second a person curse about their, about their situation, they're already in a good place. And it's already considered as if they repent. Therefore, Rabbi Akiva, who is looking always at someone else in a positive light, right away, he looks at this person as a righteous person. Yeah. He has nothing to be afraid of. Perhaps you, could, you, you don't yet have the power to actually you know, bring yourself back to a right path to be a righteous person, you know, uh, um, in a, and, and actually act by it. But the second you, you, you feel bad about your situation, you have nothing to be afraid of. You will have the help from above because you are in a good place. Um, so let's continue, Ruth. Okay. Even, even if, if he, even if he is not yet ready, to abandon his previous ways, it is only because of his external senses, the soul feeling which inspired him um, to repent has yet to penetrate through to his senses to the extent that his actual behavior changes. Nevertheless, he has contemplated repentance, and therefore, uh, Rabbi Akiva always saw people in a positive light is of the opinion that he has already transformed into a righteous person. In essence, the fact that he is afraid of his sin serves to absolve him of them together. And he therefore has no reason to fear the battlefield. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. So basically what Rabbi Akiva is saying, I don't agree with you, Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is the one who's saying, if someone is afraid of sins, you should probably go home because you are not worthy of, of having a help from above and you are going to be frightened and other people will be affected by it. Rabbi Akiva is saying, no, I don't agree with that. 
because if, a, if the second a person feels bad about where they are, this is already a good beginning. They're already worthy enough to have help from above. They are already righteous. Obviously, they still have a way to go to actually become righteous, but to be afraid, they have nothing to be afraid of. And therefore, when the Torah is talking about someone who is afraid, we must we must understand it. We must explain it as someone who is afraid from an actual war, rather than someone who is afraid of sins that they have committed. So this is the way the Rebbe explains. Rabbi Akiva's look or outlook on someone else. Good evening, Thomas. Welcome. Um, so now let's move forward some 2,000 years. Rabbi Akiva lived around 2,000 years ago. Let's move forward now to the year 1976. What I would like to show you is that this back and forth or this argument of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi happened, so to speak, happened again in our generation right after the heroic and Tebi operation in 1976. Ruth, do you remember the Tebi operation? The what operation? And Tebi. No. Oh, and Tebi. Uh, that no, I'm not sure because I think that was a political thing. No. So, okay, so, a, no. So let me let me let me let me let me just uh, uh, you know give a little a little background of what is the Tebi operation. So. It was Sunday, June 27, 1976, which a plane, a plane which left Tel Aviv, left Israel towards France, was was hijacked. Was hijacked with 248 passengers and 12 um, staff members. It was hijacked by um, two Germans. Germans and two Arabs, um, which uh, which came with a um, a bunch of of uh, you know they wanted basically the the, the state of Israel to to release um, some um, terrorists out of jail. So they hijacked the hijacked the the plane and forced the plane to land in Uganda. And Tebi is a city in Uganda, and they landed over there. The government of Uganda took care of them. They they helped the the, the hijacks. And when they landed over there, after three days, June 29th, they the, the terrorists basically made a selection. That's a short while after the Holocaust. German terrorists made a selection again between Jews and non-Jews. They released all the non-Jews, all the non-Jewish passengers, and left only the Jewish passengers with the staff members of the plane. And they basically made a deadline. The deadline was, I believe it was um, July 1st, was the deadline. 
that if by then Israel is not releasing these terrorists, they are going to kill all the 90-something Israelis which were, which were on this plane. After, back and, after some back and forth, they pushed it to July 4th. And they said if by July 4th, the Israeli government is not going to do anything, we are going to kill every hour, we're going to kill two Jews, two <laughs> Israelis. So the government obviously tried to gain some time and they went back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. But together with that, they prepared an heroic um, an heroic plan of sending forces from Israel to Uganda, which is about, I believe, about 2,000 miles. And to make a long story short, it was Saturday night, 4th of July, a little bit after midnight, that the, the, the Israeli army, uh, a group of Israeli army, the elite um, um, part of the Israeli army, landed quietly in Entebbe in an in unbelievable, heroic uh, um, operation. They were able, they were successful in releasing all 90-something Israelis and 12 staff members from the terrorists. Unfortunately, three passengers got killed in the operation and two and, and uh, one Israel and one Israeli um, soldier was killed. But all in all, it was a great success that they were able to save over a hundred people from death. So two weeks, two weeks later, July 1976, the Lubavitcher Rebbe was talking to his followers. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe said as follows. Let's read it. You see it on the screen. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said as follows. I'm going to read it. Recently, a frightening event has taken place. Something which shook the entire world. Dozens of Jews were saved from the opposite of life. You know, the Rebbe will refrain from using the word death the opposite of life and were brought back to the land of Israel. The good and spacious land, the land which God's eyes are upon upon from the beginning of the year until its end. This was despite that, despite that from from a logical perspective, they were not sure if they would be successful. Meaning it was such an heroic operation that the army itself weren't sure if they will be successful. In this operation, we have clearly witnessed how quality overcomes quantity. There were many more enemy soldiers than the rescuing force. And then here the Rebbe, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe finishes, the soldiers who risk their lives to save their brethren deserve our thanks and commendation. May God bless them with all good and many times over. The Rebbe showered blessings on the Israeli armies and on the Israeli soldiers, and the Rebbe said they were they risked their lives, and they are worthy of end of everything good. Now a little bit. So after the Rebbe said that, some Jewish leaders, some leaders among the Jewish community, did not really like it, and they came and said, the Rebbe is saying that that God performed miracle through the soldiers. There's no such a thing. 
God is not performing miracles through people who are not fulfilling the Torah's commandments, through people who are not living by the Torah's way, by 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 the were fulfilling all the commandments. And they wanted to and they wanted to say that that you know this is something that 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 it's, uh, you know it wasn't really a miracle. And the Rebbe it really bothered the Rebbe that these that these people weren't ready to give the credit to the people who risked their lives, who served the Jewish people, who saved so many people. So the Rebbe said a few weeks later, and again, in another talk, the Rebbe said as follows. Let me read it here again. I, I repeat my statement without regard for all the naysayers. The soldiers that flew to Uganda and risked their lives to save the hostages and God granted them success have earned their reward in the world to come without a doubt because they risked their lives to save their brethren. As the Talmud states regarding Papus and Lalianus and others, if we're going to have time, I will, I will explain what is Papus and Lalianus means. And the Rabbi is saying so they, those soldiers earned, they rewarded their they, uh, a special place in the world to come. And the Rebbe is saying these are individuals who have an unimaginable merit. They didn't request recognition and they didn't get paid. Some of them are newly married. They flew thousands of miles on their own accord and out of their own goodwill to rescue dozens of Jews from the opposite of life. The greatest proof of their merit is that God made them successful and over 100 hostages are now safe. What other miracle of that magnitude has occurred in recent years? It's, a, it's quite a shame that there are those who attempt to conceal the godliness that was revealed in the story. The Rebbe looked at this story and the Rebbe looked at it in a way that God showed an open miracle. You know, these days we don't really see open miracles. But that, the Rebbe said, was an open miracle. And those soldiers who, saved, who, who, who risked their lives and saved over 100 people, they, the Rebbe said, are people with great merit that we can't even imagine. And although other people wanted to say it differently, the Rebbe looked at someone who is going into war in a completely different light. Just like we saw before, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva looked at a Jewish soldier going into war and nevertheless cares about his spiritual state. Rabbi Akiva is already looking at him as righteous, as a righteous man. The Lubavitcher Rebbe here in this talk also looks at the soldiers, which perhaps they weren't keeping all the commandments. Perhaps they weren't, you know, perfect in their religious observance. But the Rebbe is saying they have the greatest merit of all. They were saving, they risked their lives in order to save other people's lives, they are worthy of all the blessings. Now, the Rebbe mentioned the story of Lalus and of Lalus and, uh, and, and, and of Papus and Lalianus. What is this verse? What is this story? Well, let's look at here, source number three, just Interesting to know some history. So this comes from the Talmud. 
And Talmud is telling us in Tractate Psachim about, about an incident where Rabbi Yosef, which was the son of Rabbi Yoshua, was ill. And he experienced what many people, you know, um, I, I don't know if you, you want to call it um, near-death experience or stuff like that. And he came, he, he came back from heaven. He recovered, he came back from heaven. Let's see it how the let's see how the Talmud is is uh, is uh, telling the story. So the Talmud is saying as follows: This is like the incident involving Rabbi Yosef, son of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who became ill and was about to expire, was about to to die. Near near death experience. When he returned to good health, he recovered. His father said to him, "What did you see?" When you were about to die. I'm sure you saw something special. What did you see? He said to him, I saw an inverted world. Those above, i.e. those who are considered important in this world, were below, insignificant. While those below, meaning those who are insignificant in this world, were above. Meaning, he's coming and telling his father, you know what, I saw something interesting. The people who are the biggest, uh, you know, machers, as you say in Yiddish, the people who are, the, you know, the, which in this world, they look like the, the most important people. Up there, they're not so important. And those who look a little less important in this world, in the world to come, they are the people who are important. What did that mean? We're going to see in a second. So his father told him, he said to him, my son, you have seen a clear world. It's not an upside down world. Here is an upside down world. Here's a world that we care about who has, um, you know, the best car and the best house. Over there, it's a clear world. Over there, we're judging people not based on what they possess, but really based on who they are. The world you have seen is the true world. As in that world, people's standings Befit them. So, and also he's telling his father, and I also hear that they were saying those executed by the government enjoy such an exalted status that no one can stand in their enclosure. And the Gemara asks now, so, so Talmud asks, and who are these? Who are these people that Rabbi Yosef is talking about? People who are killed by the government. So, the, uh, so let's just finish here. This is people, the Martis of Lot. Lalus and Papianus. Sorry, Papus and Lalianus. They were two people, two simple Jews, living in the city of Lud. City of Lud is a city in Israel. That it was it was governed by non-Jews back in the days. And one day, the daughter of the king was found murdered outside the city of Lut. Obviously, as we know in the history, when something like this happens, who is to blame? They blame the Jews. So the government came to the Jewish community and said, if you don't come to us and say, and tell us who murdered the king's daughter, we are going to kill the entire community. Now, obviously the, the community did not know because it wasn't the Jew who did it. So, it was impossible to provide someone, to give someone over. 
And then two simple Jews came by the name of Patris and Lalianus. And they came to the government and they said, we killed the king's daughter. Now, obviously, they weren't really the ones who killed them, killed her. But they were able to sacrifice their lives in order to save the entire community. They weren't, they weren't uh, you know, very important Jews, so to speak. People did not look at, look at them as, 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 as someone who is very of big importance. They were just simple Jews. But over there, up and high, these days say risk their lives in order to save another person. Up and high in the world to come, they are greater than everyone else. They gained an exalted status that no one else is able to come even close to that. So the Rebbe is saying those soldiers who saved over 100 people back in Entebbe, they are just like those two, two, two simple Jews. Regardless of how, how their behavior is in a regular day-to-day -day life, but they are righteous people. Just like Rabbi Akiva said that this soldier going to, going to war is righteous just by the fact that he cares about his spiritual status, the Rebbe said that actually more than that, the fact that a soldier is going in a war to save someone else, the fact that you give up your life to, to just to save the Jewish nation, to save another person, you are already righteous. You already have nothing to worry about. And I believe the lesson to us, obviously we, you know, we are not in the, in the army and we don't really have an opportunity to save lives in a physical matter. But what the lesson that I believe we could take from it is how much the care for others has to be important in, and, 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 and take precedence in our day-to-day -day activity. Perhaps sometimes it requires some sacrifice. And the sacrifice will be not to save someone's life, but to make someone's day a little better, to help someone in need. And perhaps we're not in the mood too hard, we're not in the mood of doing it. But sometimes we just have to remember that to help someone else is the most important thing. To be able to be there for someone else, to put a smile on someone is the best blessing that you could bring for you, give for yourself. And God willing, that will give, that will bring many, many blessings to your life. Um, in a very open and revealed way. So with that, we will conclude our class for today. A little shorter class than, than usual, but I, uh, I hope you, you enjoyed it. And I hope together we gain some, some wisdom tonight. Thank you, Rabbi. I enjoyed the few minutes that I participated. Great, Thomas. It's great to see you. <laughs> great to have you. Okay, so I hope to see you all next Tuesday, same time, 7.30, for another fascinating, exciting lesson <laughs> on the Torah portion.